0: Have your Bibles and want to turn to Luke two. That's where we're going to be. Um, as we get started on this series, uh, it's kind of interesting because the the point can be made: uh, Can we be Jesus uh, at the age of twelve? What can we learn about Jesus from the age of twelve? And we're actually going to learn a lot about who he was, about his family, and about the family that he was raised in. I don't know if you've ever misplaced one of your kids. Uh, but it's a little scary at times. I remember a time in the early about 2000 that we were on a mission trip in Santa Fe, New Mexico uh, doing a vacation Bible school for the church there. And our five-year-old, who was our very strong-willed child, uh, decided uh, to go look around in the church. And we didn't know it, but I looked up and I asked his mama. I said, "Uh, "Have you seen Connor?" And she said, "No, I thought he was with you." And uh, she said, "I'll go look for him." She came back. I forgot. She came back in about five minutes. She said, "He's not in this building." Well, that worried us because uh, they they had had the doors open uh, in in Santa Fe in the summertime. It's nice. Uh, Front doors wide open, busy street, park across the street. I immediately jumped up and I started looking. We spent literally about 10, 15 minutes looking for him, walking through every room, Connor, asking, Connor, are you in here? Connor, are you in here? Uh, Just to the point of frantic. And I happened to walk by the LTC room. Uh, and they were where they had their puppet stage up and I'd walk by and I'd said Connor in there once and there was no answer. But I, as I walked past, I noticed there was a puppet that was just standing up there and all you could see was his head. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, was that a puppet? And I, I backed back up and I looked in and I said, Connor, if that's you behind the puppet stage, I'm going, you're in big trouble. And and the little puppet moved his mouth, and it was a Jesus puppet, and said, "Connor is not here. Only Jesus." <laughs> now, just 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 so you know, fifteen minutes into losing a kid, you you have lots of emotions. I was I was terrified. I was angry. I was thrilled that we found him. I-, I wanted to hug him and pull his head off all at the same time. Uh, and-, and can you imagine? This is a story where Mary and Joseph, in a way, misplaced Jesus. And, and, and it's not for 15 minutes. It's going to be for three days. And I can't even imagine the what it would have been like to be them at this time uh, to be looking for Jesus in this. And, and, and as we talk about these things that we're going to learn, uh, we're going to talk about family today. And some of you in here may be like me. You're finished raising your kids. Your kids are out of the house. But maybe you have grandkids, and you still play a very big part and a very big role in not just your kids, but also in your grandkids' lives. And so many of these points are going to apply to you as well. Uh, things are hard on families today. Um, we, they live in a different time. Uh, raising kids today is, a, is, is such a tough thing. They have temptations and struggles and things that I didn't deal with uh, when my children were, were being raised. And, and I believe that if we do kind of what we're going to talk about today and get family fixed the way God designed family, um, as, as, as melodramatic as it says, if we can fix family, We literally can fix about 90% of everything that's wrong wrong with our our school systems, our our, our country, our nation, our communities. Uh, When we do things God's way, uh, things work so much better. So let's look at our text um, uh, called Being Jesus in Your Family. And let's read this, and then we're going to look at a few points, all right? Uh, Verse 41, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Verse 44, thinking he was with their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? He asked, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Interesting note, just so you know, this is Jesus' first recorded words in the Bible. But, But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and with favor with God and with men. So here's what we want to learn. We'll kick it right off. First thing that I think we can catch from verses 41 uh, and verse 42 was in Jesus' family, spiritual priorities dominated. Spiritual priorities dominated. Meaning, uh, here it was, the Passover. Did you notice there were two words that I want you to catch? Every year that's three words, Uh, every year, and as usual, that's four words, all right? Every year, as usual, they went up to the Passover. Now, here's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't catch. In the Jewish household, Joseph was actually the only one that was required to go to this. The only one that was required. He could have gone and left Mary and left Jesus behind, but you know what? Every year, As usual, guess what they did? As a family, they loaded up and they did the Passover together. They went and celebrated this together, even though not all of them were required to go. It was obvious that this was something they did as a family, that Mary and Joseph were training Jesus from an an early age that spiritual priorities were supposed to dominate in their family. That they didn't come along and there wasn't company that came in on that weekend or whenever that was and they said, hey, sorry, we weren't expecting company. We're going to skip this year. They never skipped this year. Jesus didn't come along and go, hey, I've got a lot of homework tonight or this weekend, so I think I may be staying home. It was not an option. Spiritual priorities dominated Jesus and Mary and Joseph's families. And I think as, as... a family today that I can learn that this is really important, that spiritual priorities must dominate. Now, we're really good at saying, hey, God's number one. But sometimes in our time and in our money, we don't always make Him that. When you look at our priorities and the things we do, sometimes we come along and we realize, hey, I may say God's number one, but maybe I spend a whole lot more time with my kids playing basketball in the driveway or doing something else instead of uh, talking to them about God or reading the Bible with them or spending time with them uh, in a Bible class or at church or whatever it is. It's just amazing that Mary and Joseph, they didn't have a day where they said, this is just going to be a family day. We're really tired and busy and so we're going to skip Passover this year. They didn't do that. There was no skipping Passover Spiritual priorities dominated as usual. Today, sometimes, if you if we're honest, spiritual priorities actually, spiritual things actually take a back burner to physical things. Um, spiritual priorities have sometimes become optional. That we've become sometimes things that, uh, hey, I know that's something I should do, but, you know, I'm tired. Or, you know, my kids have this on their schedule. We schedule practices. We have games oftentimes on Wednesdays or Sundays, or we take priority. Allow things to take priority. I remember walking into uh, a lady's office one time and and to visit with her, a friend of mine, and she said, "Can you hold for a second? My my son's coach is on the line." And and I heard her talking to the coach, and I wasn't sure what was going on, but she said, "Yes." Yes, I know practice was Wednesday night, but I want you to know that we have church on Wednesday nights and he's not going to be there those nights. She got off the phone and I said, I've just got to tell you, if I had a trophy right now, I would give it to you for mother of the year. I said, because that's not an easy thing to do, because we want our kids to excel athletically and academically, but to tell a coach, hey, uh, and and she went on to tell me, she said, well, he wasn't happy, but I also know that my son's one of the best pitchers on the team, and he's going to be fine. And, and they're going to be fine. And he's not going to sit my kid. But that's not the point. She said, I want my son to know that we take our spiritual priorities more important than we do the other things in this world. And I just remember being so impressed with her in this. And I just thought this was great. Uh, I remember us growing up, my family growing up, we used to pull our kids out of, out of school to go to the Tulsa workshop. They loved it. Now, they loved a lot of it. They liked the Tulsa workshop, but they really like getting out of school at the same time. But it was a great event for us to take our kids. And, and we'd go in every year, and it was always very nice and very kind, but the battle would start and I'd go, hey, we're going to take our kids out of school this week here. We're going to Tulsa. It's a religious event. And they would go, you know, you know, that's really kind of not in the calendar of things that we can have excuse absences for. And we were like, we we're okay with that. If they get knocked on their grades or if they get an unexcused absence, we're okay with that. Now, Lee and I had decided a long time ago, we want our kids to be educated, but we don't, want our, we don't want public school to get in the way of the education of our kids. And so there were times where we would pull them out of school to go on events like this. And our kids still remember that. Every year, our kids load up and go to the Red River Family Encampment. I'll be going this year with them. I hope I can talk some of y'all to go to the Red River Family Encampment with us. Who doesn't want to go to Red River in the month of June when it's 100 degrees, right? Um... But we've we've done that since the 90s, since they were kids. And and you go up, and there's classes, and there's preaching, and there's teaching, and there's opportunities. And my kids still, every year, when one event is over, they go, what's the dates for next year? So they can take vacation. They literally take their vacation days at work off to go. And we're like, as long as y'all will go, we will pay for it to get y'all, because this is important. Because we want spiritual priorities to continue to dominate in in our family. And so let me just encourage you. What what does your family do spiritually besides church? Maybe outside church. But church is very important as well. But I mean camps. We want camps and we want LTCs. Encourage your kids to be involved in that. <laughs> Bible class for your children and your grandchildren is so important. They need to be here for that. And and worship. And I see these mamas sometimes, and sometimes dads, that come to church, and maybe they're by themselves, and they wrestle those kids on a pew, and they're thinking, why in the world am I here? I'm getting nothing out of this. But can I just say it is worth it, and it'll be so worth it for them to understand spiritual priorities dominate in our family. All right, we got to move on. We don't have a lot of time. Let's look at number two. Uh, Be linked together with God's people. Be linked together with God's people. I love this point. Verse 43 and verse 44, I want you to note for a second. People go, how could they lose Jesus? Well, did you know they travel this long distance? And they travel with family and they travel with friends, people of, of, of God's people. And it was not uncommon for your kids to go play with somebody else's kids and hang out with them. And and they assumed he was with the other travelers. But when he didn't show up, they thought, "Uh uh-oh, we better go see if we can find him. That's not uncommon to to connect your people, uh, to connect your kids with God's people. It, it Passover lasted a week. This was not uncommon in in the congregation where I just came from. It was not uncommon for me to get a call going. Hey, will you look and see if my daughter is up there? We got home and I thought she was with mom, and and mom thought she was with me. She's somewhere up there playing with some other kids, and I'd go find them. I said I'll bring her home in a minute, and I love that that we could trust our kids to. Just go, hey, you go play and we'll figure out, we'll get you home some way here in a little while. We need to connect our kids and our grandkids with church people, with God's people. This is so important. Uh, My friend Zane Perkins reminded me this week of the book Sticky Faith, which is a great book, uh, which teaches you there's a five-to-one ratio. Every person, every kid needs five Adults or mentors that encourage them in their faith as they grow for it to stick. And so it's important that you and I get our kids involved with other people. Like it or not, there's going to be times in our lives that our kids aren't going to listen to us and they need other people that they will listen to especially when they get to that teenage stage, right? I've had kids. I had, my youngest was a baseball player, really good at it. And I'd go out, and we'd practice, and I'd go, Son, you are not, you're not pulling them hips through like you're supposed to. And, and he just would kind of just ignore me. And then, and then later, he'd be out there with a, another guy, a coach, and the coach would go, Cooper, pull them hips through. And he go, Oh, I didn't notice I wasn't doing that. I'd be like, Man, I've been telling you this for a week. That's kids. Sometimes they don't listen to their parents as well as sometimes they'll listen to other people. I tried hard to connect my kids with other folks, some of my peers. Uh, I have friends named Randy and Clay, and, and my kids would go camping with them and spend time doing things with them. Um, I, I asked Randy and Clay at times, would you send my boys a letter and, and just encourage them spiritually? And, and I, I never read the letters, but they actually sent my boys a letter. When my boys got ready to go to college, I remember we were going through the old uh, do you want to take this or do you want to throw this away stage? They're, we're getting ready to move them to Lubbock. You want to keep this? There were things they threw away that I thought don't throw that away that means I gave that to you you know but you know what they ran across clay and Randy's letters and I said y'all going to keep them and they said of course we're going to keep those because those meant something to them we have got to connect our kids with other people And, and sometimes we as an American culture aren't always good at this we want to just kind of keep our kids to ourselves and not let them be. I remember, I remember my mom on a mission trip one time where we drove to New Mexico. My mom, I was 14, she said, I want you to ride with Harley and Lurleen Fuel. And I said, but can I ride with my friends? And she said, no, I really want you to get to know them. And I got to be friends with an elder and his wife. Harley was literally about 4'11", the shortest guy that I knew, but he was a giant in his faith. And I spent hours riding with them and, and, and getting to know them. And it was a blessing in my life. When I, when I got up and said, hey, I want to, go to, I want to go to Sunset School of Preaching in Lubbock. And, and the, the congregation where I grew up said, uh, there's no honor in this hometown. As if, if to say, you're just Trey, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know that we needed it. Harley Fuel stood up and goes, we're going to send this kid to the Sunset School of Preaching. God has a way of connecting people, and we as parents need to do the same and be really, really good at that. Let's move on to the next point before we run out of time. Number three, we must be concerned about where our children are. Uh, Jesus was. They couldn't find him. Three days later, I want you to note for a second something that's a little spooky in this lesson. They not only lost Jesus, have you realized they lost God's son? I found a little humor in that. I did too. You know, because it's like God has given them one job and what have they done? We've lost the one kid that he told us to raise. And, I, and I, you know, that would worry me a little bit. But, but here's Mary and Joseph. They're concerned with. We need to be the same. Are you concerned with where your kids and your grandkids are? Uh, Physically, we tell our kids to eat right, get plenty of sleep. Uh, Emotionally, are you being bullied? We're worried about that. But spiritually is where I want to. Are you concerned where your kids are spiritually? Do you pray for them? Do you tell them that you pray for them? Do you ask the tough questions? Things like, where are you spiritually? Is there anything that I could pray about in your life? Those are things that we need to be concerned with as parents. Not just how they're doing in school and how they're doing on their grades, but where are you spiritually? Let's look at number four. We must all be about our Father's business. That's what Jesus said. Mary and, Je- Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus, and they go, did, did, you, did you know we've been looking for you? Why, why did you search? Jesus said, I had to be about my Father's business. Uh, the first thing Jesus ever said was this And I think if it's Jesus' first thing that he ever said Probably the thing we need to be the, doing the same as well We just need to be about our father's business We need to make it a priority We need to have our kids and grandkids involved in LTC And youth camps and youth events Your children need to see you And your grandchildren need to see you reading your Bible They, they need to see you praying They need to hear you praying. They need at times for you to tell them, I prayed for you today. Or just to ask, what is there that I can pray about? But they they need you to see you being a part, having God as a part of your world. Number five on this list. Children need to choose to love and respect their parents. One of the neatest words in this text is the word obedient, which is more than just obey. It's actually the word subject. And it means that Jesus was not only obedient, but he was respectful. There's, that it means more than... Because I can, you know, you can tell your kid, hey, go take out the trash, and they may do it, but if they grab the whole way out there and the whole way back, you know, it's like... You're really not respecting me. And Jesus here was not only obeying them, but respecting them as well. Obedient. And, and, and we need to be the same. And, and children need to be the same. And, and young people this morning need to be the same. Can I remind you, young people, for just a second, that there was a time in your life when you were about five years old that you thought your parents were the smartest people in the entire world. And as you aged and grew, at about nine, you thought, well, my parents are smart, but they don't know everything. When you hit about 12, we all get to that stage where we think to ourselves, well, my parents don't know near as much as I thought they did. By the time you get to about 16, we all thought, you know, my parents don't know hardly anything. By the time you're 18, you're thinking, how have they made it in this world without me trying to tell them how to do things? When you get to be 21, you start coming back around a little bit and you start thinking to yourself, you know, my parents are probably smarter than I give them credit for. By the time you're in your late 20s, you're going, my parents are pretty brilliant. (laughs) By the time you're in your 30s, honestly, if you're like me, you're thinking, my parents are the smartest people in the world and I refuse to even make any big decision in my life without calling them and asking them because there's nobody smarter. And then... What you realize is in your 40s or somewhere in there, you're going to wish you could call your parents and they will no longer be here. So value them while you have them. If your parents are still alive, you are a blessed person. Let's look at this last point down here and we'll close. Jesus advanced in every way. He grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and all people. And here's my point I want you to catch. Jesus advanced mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. Now, as parents and as grandparents, we're really good sometimes at focusing on the academics and the athletics and the social. Do they they fit in well at school? Do they make good grades? Are they doing well in sports? And I just want to focus for a second on the he grew with God. That's the most important thing. If, you, if your kid doesn't do well in sports and doesn't do well in school and doesn't fit in really well, but he has got a great relationship with God, you got a successful kid. Can I just say that? Because that's what really matters in this world, is the spiritual things. And we are good as parents... Oh, we spend lots of money trying to get our kids the athletic lessons and going to practices and follow them when they're playing their games, and we get them tutors, and we spend all this money, when it's the spiritual things. Man, you come up with those camp fees, if there's camp fees, and you come up with the money to send a kid to LTC and the things that really, really matter. Those matter most. Can I remind you two things real quick, and this is really good. Your child, your grandchild, my children, all children, there is a... 0.02 percent chance that they will get a scholarship to go to college somewhere athletically and yet we spend so much time trying to get our kids to hit ball kick ball throw ball spike ball less than one percent if somehow they did get a scholarship to go college there is a, even a smaller percentage, a 00.35% that get a chance to play professional ball. But can I remind you that 100% of our kids will stand before God someday. And that's what matters. Let's make sure that we are families who focus on the spiritual things. Don't skip the spiritual they should be the priority we get one shot as parents and grandparents and you may be kind of like me going well my kids are raised they are i can still kind of point them in the right direction sometimes but i've got a couple of grandkids and i've got more hopefully on the way someday that i can go hey i want to be a part of their spiritual life that's what i'm here for we want to focus on the things that matter We're going to sing an invitation song at this time. If there's ever anything we can do to help with, pray for, uh, encourage, anything like that, ready to ever become a Christian want to talk more about that, giving Jesus your life, confessing Him as Lord and being baptized, we're always ready to visit about those things. But if you have a need that we can help you with, would you come as we stand and sing this morning?